Graham has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month, Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays. Taco Tuesdays. First Wednesday, live jazz. Live DJs Thursday. Parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. El Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival hosting an incredible offside show. Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Cesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. Yeah, good job. 
uh, you might have read that in some magazine, which is true. You know, a lot of folks make up their names and places and everything. But I am. I'm one of them farm boys. <laughs> and I had an uncle who was a little, little off. Little off. Oh, yeah. Knocked down by Harley one day. And uh, Harley Davidson, oh, I hit him. Shook anybody. You know, a little kid, wise guy going about 75 miles an hour and threw him in the side of a cement plant. But uh, shook him a little, you know. <laughs> well... Uncle Willard had this uh, used pet shop. It was uh, for used pets. And um, yeah, there's always something wrong with them, you know. And uh, so a guy came in one day and he said, uh, how much is the doggy in the window? That doggy out there in front? That dog run you a dollar. A dollar for a dog? Isn't that a little unusual? No. I don't know whether you noticed or not, he ain't got no claws on his right paw. Sort of a conversation piece. <laughs> yes, no, I wouldn't want that. What the devil's that over there? Oh, that's an owl. I can give you him for 375. But you wouldn't know it, he ain't got no feathers on his body. I got him down Biloxi and there was a storm come up or something, blew all his feathers off. And uh, I've got purple feathers and chartreuse, and what you can do is put a little slick them on his belly and paste them on there, you know, and put him there in the parlor, and <laughs> well, it's a conversation piece like a dog. <laughs> yeah, I see. Oh, listen, incidentally, don't put your finger in that bowl. No, the reason I, oh, took your finger off, didn't it? <laughs> oh, God, you know, it's a funny thing. You never have to feed that fish nothing. There's always some clown like yourself putting his finger in the bowl. <laughs> took it right off, didn't he? <laughs> oh, I bet that's smart, isn't it? Mm, that's a prania. Them things hit anything, hit anything. <laughs> got them in the Amazon River. I never got it. Some guy dropped off here one day <laughs> over the beach out. Listen, I'll tell you what I can do. Um, I can give you that kangaroo over there for ten and a half. Come all the way from Australia. Most of them do. Uh, I got him as far as Muncie, and he fell off a flat car and broke his tail. Now, you know, most of them sit back there on their tails like this. But this one, you got to lean him again some. <laughs> oh, I don't believe I'd want that. I guess not. Listen, I've got a bull constrictor here. It's pregnant. I can give you that, and uh, there's the white rats free. You want to see it? I'll let it out here. Oh, careful. Oh, Lord. Ma, come in here. That snake up and swallowed another customer.
See the paper laying on the sidewalk A little music from the house next door So I walk on up to the doorstep Through the screen and across the floor Switch on the stroke. Do what you like. 
Get up and clean your teeth and have a shave. It's 1 a.m. Let's go out to a rave. One more in before we hit that grave. It's harder than a microwave. Wave. Come on,
masturbation. 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 A lot of people are turned off by masturbation. Jokes, particularly. They don't want to hear about that. Why? Some of the greatest people in the world. Example, Sir Edmund Hillary. Sir Edmund Hillary was the first man to climb Mount Everest. But when Sir Edmund was a precocious 11, his mother came in the room, caught him in the act. She couldn't believe it. She said, Sir Edmund, why are you doing that? And he said, because it was there. The first person I knew to masturbate was Eddie LeCarrie. He used to tell us how he would go home and masturbate while he watched American Bandstand. While Dick Clark was saying, how do you rate this record, Denise? How do you rate this, Denise? You gave it a hundred, Denise? Dance to this, Denise. <laughs> women in numbers do not masturbate as much as men. There's a lot of women that do it more than any man, but there's a lot of women who are basically romanticists and they don't feel right unless there's somebody else there. I have an invention for these women. A vibrator that talks. <laughs> could have a little recording device in there, you know? I love you. Nobody does it like you. Could have, thank you, could have a special kind, special kind for married women. After it was over, it would fall asleep. You know? <laughs> Single girls, when it was over, would get up, raid the refrigerator, and go home. I'll call you tomorrow. Okay, I'll stop talking about uh, masturbation. Get into something else. Nocturnal emissions. Now see, that might be, that might be a little difficult for some of the ladies here to relate to. But that's a wild feeling, because unlike any sexual experience, you don't really know what's going on. See, you're like 12 years old, you wake up in the middle of the night. What the hell was that? I gotta remember what I was dreaming about. something else. Mothers like nocturnal. Mothers. 
because for the first time, their sons make their own beds. Ah, oh, Ma, listen, I made my bed already. I cleaned up my whole room. Fly black plastic.
Be 
story begins pleasantly enough in the railroad station at Geneva, Switzerland. A young man bids goodbye to his family, a happy family, and to his fiancée as he leaves for the University of Ingolstadt. Make us proud of you, Victor. If you're to be a doctor, then be the best. I'll try, Father. Farewell. Remember, our love goes with you. Goodbye, Mother. And you, William, my dear brother. As for you, Elizabeth, my dearest... I know. Words can't express our feelings for each other. I'll be looking forward to your vacations. And someday... Yes. Someday, we'll be man and wife. Hurry, hurry, my son. The train is leaving. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Goodbye Victor. Boy. Goodbye, my dear. On the train, the young Frankenstein met up with his boyhood friend, Henry Clerval, who was on his way to another university beyond Ingolstadt. I wish our destinations were the same, Victor. I do too, Henry. But then I've never excelled at mathematics as you have. <laughs> and I've had no feeling for medicine. But let's never lose contact with each other. Never. I promise. As their friendship was bonded, Neither young man had the slightest suspicion of the terrible events destined for them. One day in the laboratory at the University of Ingolstadt, the seed of dreadful inspiration was innocently planted in Frankenstein's mind by Professor Waldman. Now I will put exactly three drops of the catalyst into the acid. One. Two. Ready, Frankenstein? Yes, Professor. And the final drop. Three. Observe the reaction of the catalyst. My dear Frankenstein, you are seeing one of the basic elements of life itself. It's astounding. It's promising at any rate. Perhaps next year, perhaps a hundred years from now, man will have discovered some other elements which create life. And then, then he will be able to manufacture creatures in his own image, which will do whatever he demands of them. That night, Victor Frankenstein made the first entry into what was to become the account of a man by his own creation. As Professor Waldman spoke, I felt as if my soul were grappling with a palpable enemy. And now, my mind is filled with one thought, one conception, one purpose. So much has been done, but more, far more, will I achieve. I shall go beyond these experiments. I will explore unknown powers and unfold the deepest mysteries of creation.
Thus, Frankenstein decided his own horrible destiny. But as the months passed, his studies brought him closer to his ghastly discovery. One of the phenomena which peculiarly attracts me is the structure of the human frame, and indeed anything imbued with life itself. But to examine the causes of life, I must first have recourse to death. I must observe the natural decay and corruption of the human body. あの人に話さなければなりません。早く家へ帰ってこなければなりません。本当だということを認めなければなりません。欲しいです。行きたくありません。アイスクリームが欲しいです。アイスクリームが食べたいです。この映画は見たいですか？ アイスクリームが食べたいです。この映画は見たいですか？第33課。ちょっとお尋ねいたしますが、この町の名前は何と言いますか？東京までどのくらいありますか？ ここから東京まで何キロありますかここから10キロですここから20キロですここから東京までどう行きますかこの道をおいでなさいこの番地へどう行くのか教えてください ここへどう行くのか教えてください。この通りの名前は何と言いますか？銀座通りはどこですか？ここから遠いですか？ここから近いですか？右へ山頂です。
flap like plastic. Uni Radio. FM.
me pediste, chile verde te daré. Vámonos para la huerta y allá te lo cortaré. Al uno le pone cuerno y al otro los pitoncitos. La mula que yo monté la montó y mi compadre. Eso a mí no me importa, pues yo la monte primero. La noche que me casé, no pude dormirme un rato. Por estar toda la hora. Ándale, suba, suba, suba. Ándale. Noche. Corriendo detrás de un gato. por tu balcón yo no he visto gato prieto con sombrero y pantalón Nicolás Fernández de Moratín 1737-1780 was a poet and dramatist. The epigram given here is a humorous commentary on the difficulty of learning a foreign language. Epigram. A Portuguese was astonished to see that in their tender childhood, all the young children of France could speak French. It's black magic, he said, twisting his mustache. For in order to speak French, a gentleman in Portugal reaches old age and speaks it badly. And here, a child speaks it fluently. Epigrama. Admirose un portugués de ver que en su tierna infancia todos los niños de Francia supiesen hablar francés. Arte diabólica es, dijo torciendo el mostacho, 
pues para hablar en gabacho, un hidalgo en Portugal llega a viejo y lo habla mal, y aquí lo parla un muchacho. Tomás de Iriarte, 1750-1791, wrote 76 fábulas literarias, literary fables, which contain advice for and criticism of his fellow authors. The Ass and the Flute is one of his most popular poems. The Ass and the Flute. This little fable heard, it good or ill may be, but it has just occurred thus accidentally. Passing my abode, some fields adjoining me, a big ass on his road came accidentally and laid upon the spot a flute he chanced to see, a shepherd had forgot there accidentally. The animal, in front to scan it nigh came he, and snuffing loud as wont blew accidentally. The air it chanced around the pipe went passing free, and thus the flute a sound gave accidentally. Oh then, exclaimed the ass, I know to play it fine. And who forbade shall class this music asinine? Without the rules of art, even asses, we agree, may once succeed in part, thus, accidentally.
scurries up there and they kiss and hold on real good. <laughs> a lot of it has to be cut for the kids because they get bored, you know, but the adults, they get, mm. <laughs> And um, she goes in and sits in her little powder room there and makes up and everything and they talk and Robin says uh, that he's been in the forest and everything and she knows that. And uh, <laughs> suddenly through a heavy door, oh, it's about that thick, give or take a couple inches, it swings open, and in comes the Black Knight, who is a bad cat. He's all, you know, iron, bent plumes and everything. He says, you're Robin of Sherwood. And everybody, you know, boo. Now they don't dig him. And uh, I see I've been waiting for you. He whips out this little sword, which isn't too good, you know, he made it himself, and, but it's got phony little jelly beans in it for jewels, you know, and they go at it and out on the terrace and jumping over things, you know, and statues and everything. He misses him a couple of times, but finally he gets the Black Knight in a vulnerable spot. <laughs> we don't have to telegraph where it would be, but, oh yeah, sort of a can opener effect, and, and He falls into this dry moat, which is just full of dead catfish and everything, you know, slimy turtles and everything, you know, frogs and that jazz. And so Robin says, good luck to you, that'll teach you, daddy. <laughs> See, it's sort of a hip version of Robin. And uh, so by this time, her dad comes in, who looks like H.B. Warner after a tornado, you know, a bright wig and a little tiny crown, which is fake. And he's got these flowing robes, the ermine tails, live ermines, too. Keeps him moving, you know. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my son, thank you. He mumbles his part. He's only getting 8750 for the whole thing. And uh, Robin kisses his hand, because that's what they did in those days, you know, both hands sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, she says, oh, I'm so thankful, make this again, and uh, it's a bad scene. And um, then Robin steps back, you know, because he recognizes authority when he sees it. Pulls out the sword again. <laughs> to your liege, the rightful heir to the throne. Oh, gee. <laughs> Amangwani, 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 Amangw
le haile mulla le haile mulle kinyo matipula amangwani le haile mulla le haile mulle kinyo matipula mangwani mbulele kinyo matipula amangwani mangwani
pole, honey. You get a line, I'll get a pole, baby. You get a line and I'll get a pole and we'll go down to that crawdad hole, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, here comes a man with a pack on his back, honey. Here comes a man with a pack on his back, baby. Here comes a man with a pack on his back. He's got those crawdads in his sack, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, what you gonna do when the well runs dry, honey? What you gonna do when the well runs dry, baby? What you gonna do when the well runs dry? We'll watch those crawdads lay around and die, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, look at that crawdad strutting around, honey. Look at that crawdad strutting around, baby. Look at that crawdad strutting around. Well, he's the mayor of crawdad town, honey. Mmm, baby mine. Well, you get a line, I'll get a pole, honey. Get a line, I'll get a pole, baby. You get a line and I'll get a pole, and we'll go down to that crawdad hole, honey. Mmm, baby mine.
Montmartre ou en Amérique, il y aura toujours des amoureux, mais un moulin aussi pratique, il n'y en a sûrement pas deux. Il mouille, il mouille les chansonnettes et tourne de jolis refrains. Notre moulin de la galette, chaque matin, c'est un vieux moulin qui tourne à Montmartre. C'est un moulin vieux comme un bricabrac. C'est un vieux moulin, un vieux diable à quatre. Verse la ville de son guet tic tac Le dieu Cupidon souffle sur ses ailes Et chaque printemps quelques hirondelles Volent tout autour dans un bruit d'amour C'est un vieux moulin qui tourne sans fin À Montmartre, on est loin d'être bête, on se méfie de manquer de pain. Et le moulin de la galette est tout prêt à moudre son grain. Mais c'est l'esprit seul qui pétille et tourne l'arbre du moulin qui reçoit les bonnes et les filles. Chaque matin, c'est un vieux moulin qui tourne à Montmartre. C'est un moulin vieux comme un bric à bras. C'est un vieux moulin, un vieux diable à quatre. Berce la ville de son guet-tic-tac Le dieu Cupidon souffle sur ses ailes Et chaque printemps quelques hirondelles Volent tout autour dans un bruit d'amour C'est un vieux moulin qui tourne sans fin
Amashir, how strongly I feel the approach of spring. My heart beats as though I were expecting someone. There's a constant buzzing in my ears so that I often stand for some time with my foot in the air listening at doors. And confidentially, I have a number of suitors. I often sit at the window and watch them. If only you could see some of them, they're so ugly. One is a horrible mongrel with stupidity written all over his face. He swaggers along the street and imagine he's a distinguished person and that everybody is admiring him. Don't you believe it? I take no notice of him and behave as if I didn't see him. And you should see the terrifying Great Dane that stops by my window. If he were to stand on his hind legs, which I expect the Claude incapable of doing, he would be a head taller than my Sophie's papa, who was quite tall and fat as well. <laughs> Also, the lump seems to be terribly arrogant. I growled at him, but much he cared. He put out his tongue, dangled his huge ears, and stared at the window, the oaf. But can you suppose, ma chère, that my heart is indifferent to all the hopefuls? Oh, no. If only you could see one of my suitors jumping over the fence next door. His name is Treasure. Ah, ma chère, what a... Ah, fool! Devil! Rubbish! How much of our letters is she going to fill with such foolishness? I'm after people, not dogs. I want spiritual sustenance, and instead I have these inanities. Let's turn over a page and see whether it gets better. Sophie was sitting at the table sewing something. I was looking out the window because I am fond of watching passers-by when suddenly the footman came in and announced someone. Show him in, cried Sophie, and rushed to embrace me. Oh, Maggie, Maggie, if only you knew who that is. A dark young man, a guard's officer, and his eyes are black with fire. And she ran off to her room. A minute later, a young officer with black side whiskers came in, walked to the mirror, smoothed his hair, then looked about the room. I growled and sat in my place. Sophie soon came in and greeted him gaily as I pretended to be busy looking out the window. However, I bent my head a little on one side and tried to hear what they were saying. Ah, oh, my share the silliness of their conversation. They spoke about a lady who had mistaken one dance movement for another. Then about someone called Babov, who looked like a stork and almost fell over. Then about one called Ladinia, who thought she had blue eyes when they were really green, and so on and so on. Well, I thought, if you were to compare that young officer with my treasure, heavens, what a difference. To start with, the officer has a flat face, quite bald, except for his side whiskers, as though he had tied it up in a black handkerchief. Whereas Treasure's face is fine and delicate with a sweet white patch on the forehead. It's impossible to compare the officer's figure with Treasure's, and his eyes, his ways, his manners are all quite different. Oh, what a difference. I wonder what she finds in her officer. What on earth can she admire in him? Hmm. Yes. Here I tend to agree. <laughs> there's, there's something wrong. To um, just leave you with one of the strongest fears I have in life <laughs> is that when it's all over for me, wherever I go, there's going to be a long line waiting to get in. And I'm going to look at the fellow in front of me and I'm going to say, How long do you think we're going to have to wait here? And he's going to turn around and say, I'll be a hallway to Mellow Rock.
Hi, my name is Sally. Nobody ever asked me to go anywhere. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Sally, you've got E-E-O. I've got what? Something wrong with my breath, right? No! It's my underarms. I knew it. I knew it. No! Now, wait a minute. No! Listen to this nice man. Hi, Sally. I'm nine out of ten doctors. Sally, back here we have a diagram of your inner ear. Now, doing a hard day of active listening, <laughs> tiny particles accumulate in the hills and the credenzas of your inner ear. accumulate in the hills and the credenzas of your inner ear. Now, doing a hard day of active listening, <laughs> Tiny particles accumulate in the hills. or E-E-O.
Okay, she's hypnotized now. I'm going to talk to her. How old are you? Twelve. What's your name? Regan. I'm addressing myself to the person who's inside of Regan. You are also hypnotized, and when I ask you to speak, you must identify yourself. Who are you? This is Howard Cosell in possession of a small child. Are you in control of Regan? I certainly am. Look at her. She's wearing Fruit of the Loom underwear. Are you in there alone? No, Don Meredith and Frank Gifford are in here with me. They send for an exorcist. The exorcist arrives. The two of them face each other. They're ancient enemies. A fine day for an exorcism, isn't it, Muhammad Ali? Come on out of there, Cosell. You don't belong in there, old, dumb, stupid hat. Cosell, going where it don't belong. Come on, I'll do the rope of dope. I'll do the Russian tank. Get you out of there, Cosell. There's a spray and deodorant for every part of the body, almost. How far are they going to go with this? Who knows? This might be the next commercial you see. Hi, my name is Sally. Nobody ever asked me.